Okay, so uh, one of the things that Jennifer and I have started doing lately is, um, and it's really just one show, it's not like a ton of shows, um, started wa- watching some older TV shows, like the one we've really kind of gotten into lately is Columbo. Um, do you guys remember Columbo? I mean, I mean, it's just been a lot of fun to watch. It is not stressful. Um, it is just like, it's really campy. It's kind of cheesy, but that, that's kind of a fun thing to do. Got some, I know some people were telling us the other day, they started binge watching Murder, She Wrote. And so, you know, it's just kind of amazing just the stuff that is out there, but there's, there's a really, it's an old show, um, came out in the 60s, uh, The Twilight Zone. Anybody remember uh, The Twilight Zone with Rod Surley? So there, there was an episode back in 1962, you can find it on YouTube, I think it's called The Howling is the official name um, of the, the episode. But in this story, there's this American, he's going backpacking through Europe, so probably in a gap year or something like that after college and or before college, and he's just kind of going through and doing that stuff, and he's, he's in this like just blinding like storm, just rain falling everywhere. And so he finds this medieval castle. And so he just kind of like stumbles up to it, knocks on the door, and he ends up finding out that it's, it's a hermitage for a bunch of monks who, who live there. And they, after some convincing, they agree to let him come in from the rain. And so he goes into the, to the castle. Well, Later in that night, he's just kind of exploring some stuff, and he finds that there's this, there's this like one room, it's like a cell, with a guy locked behind it, and there's this old wooden staff that's got the door bolted shut. And the prisoner says to the American, he's like, hey, uh, these guys have taken me prisoner, they're holding me captive, they won't let me out, and, and he, this, the, the head monk, a guy by the name of Jerome, that dude's nuts, all right? He's just crazy, and he won't let me go, and so... Um, this prisoner, he looks like a really nice guy. And so the Americans is like, well, man, I wonder what's going on. So he goes to, to brother Jerome and he's like, what's up with the dude in the cell? And Jerome says, well, that person, um, is actually Satan. It's the devil himself. It's the father of lies and the staff that is across the door that's bolting him shut, keeping him in there is the staff of truth. That's the only barrier that the devil can't cross. And so that claim makes the American go, okay, this dude's lost his mind. He's, you know, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Cuckoo, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. He's gone bananas. He's mad as a hatter. He's cray-cray, you know? He's just like, he, he's just messed up. And so as soon as he gets the chance, he goes down to the cell and he releases the prisoner, pulls the staff back. But as soon as he opens the door, the, the guy like starts growing horns and then he like just turns into this hideous looking demon. And then just like that, he's gone just in a puff of smoke. And so the American is just like, oh, oh my gosh, what, what, did, I, what did I do? And so he goes to Jerome and he tells him, he's like, I, I think I let the devil loose, you know? And, and, he's, and Jerome says, well, I'm really sorry for you, my son, because for the rest of your life, you'll remember this night and whom you have turned loose upon the world. And this is what he said. The American says, he's like, man, I saw him but I didn't recognize him. To which Jerome says, that is man's weakness and Satan's greatest strength. So today we're in week two of a series called Healer. And in this series, if you you weren't with us last week, um, if you're kind of wondering where we're going, we're looking at miracles of Jesus. And, you know, Jesus was known as a miracle worker. And as you start to kind of look through his miracles, you see that they'll fall into about, about four different categories. You know, the, the first one is like just a miracle of healing. We're familiar with those. He'll heal a blind person, a lame person, you know, a mute person, um, a deaf person. He'll, he'll do a healing. Um, there's miracles of protection. 
uh, which if you were with us for part one, that's a, that was a miracle of protection where he delivers them from the storm. Uh, there, there are miracles of provision to where he's able to just kind of produce things out of, uh, out, out of nothing really, you know, uh, like feeding 5,000 people with just a happy meal or fe- feeding 4,000 people with, you know, a few fish and some loaves. Um, but there's a fourth category, uh, the miracles of deliverance. And that fourth category is where we all just kind of get a little weirded out. You know, because that is where we're looking at Jesus, how he has power over the darkness, how he has power over the spirit world, and it's power over demonic forces. Now, some of you maybe watching online or even in the room right now, you're just like, oh man, this is going to get weird today. You know, this is weird stuff and I don't know what to do because you're like, I don't even know if I believe in demons and the forces of darkness. And if that's you, I'm glad that you're here. And I would love for you to just with an open mind, just listen and observe to what is going on here in this, in this story uh, of Jesus' life from Mark chapter 5, all right? Because that's where we want to look at Jesus' power over the darkness, over the spiritual forces of the world. Because here's the thing. I'm convinced that the greatest trick the devil ever pulled is this, is convincing the world he didn't exist. Okay, that is the greatest trick that the devil has ever pulled is convincing the world, convincing you, convincing me, convincing those outside these walls that he does not exist. That is our weakness and his greatest strength. So Mark chapter five, let's look at this story here, um, a miracle of deliverance. And let's see how Jesus has the power over the dark and, it ha- and that the dark has no chance against Jesus. So Mark chapter 5, verse 1, we're going to look at uh, 20 verses today. So just follow along on the screen uh, this morning. This is what it says. So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the garrisons. And when Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. Now this man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. So they arrived at the other side of the lake. So uh, this is the same day. This is the same evening that we looked at last week whenever Jesus calmed the storm. So we're getting late into the evening. It's probably getting close to midnight, but it's the same day. Everything are there. And so can you imagine being one of the disciples in this situation? So you've just gotten out of a boat where Jesus told a storm, sit down, shut up and be quiet. And the winds and the waves, everything calmed down. And you're like, yo, that was crazy. He's like, man, it'd be great to get on dry land again. And you get on dry land and you walk over there and here's this like naked guy running at you, screaming, cut it, bleed all these kind of things. And you're just sitting there going, what did, what did we sign up for? You know, it's like, shouldn't we be out fishing again? I just think that I would rather do that. Who, what is going on here? But what you see is like, this guy is just like completely overwhelmed by these demons that are living inside of him. And so you start to read through this story and you read about the things that are happening. And here, I'll, I'll be honest with you. There's a, there's a period in my life to where I really struggled with some of these, this thought, because like our modern ears hear this and it's just like, is that really demonic, you know? I mean, or, or what are we, what, are we really dealing with demonic stuff or are we dealing with like mental illness? Like I can remember sitting down and talking with one of my mentors and I was trying to sound smart 
which is always a bad idea. And, and so and I was like, hey, do you think, you know, whenever you're reading through the Bible and you're reading about demonic possession and those kind of things, that really what they're just doing is describing things like, you know, schizophrenia and mental illness. And he just looked at me and he said, no, um, I don't. You know, um, he's like, stop it. No. And he's like, they, would, they knew what that stuff was. And this is something completely different than that. And so, I, I, listen, if you're skeptical of it, I, I, I get it. But this is something that is out there. The Bible does teach us that there is evil and there are evil forces in, in the world. Um, I, in fact, I think that the, the errors that we can make, um, really C.S. Lewis just kind of nails it whenever it comes down to this idea of the demonic and the, the spiritual forces of the world. Listen to what he says. He says, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils, okay, about demons. One is to disbelieve in their existence, okay? They just don't exist. They're not a real thing. Uh, the other, this is the second one, is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves, meaning the demons, are equally pleased by both heirs and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. Do you hear what he's saying? He's like, there, there are two errors that we can make whenever we come to this idea. One is that we just, we just say they don't really exist. There's no such thing as demons. The other is to just become so fascinated by them that that's all we want to talk about. That's all we want to think about. Only thing we want to read about. Tell me another story about a demon. You know, and we just get so obsessed with it. He's like, no, no, no. There, there, there's a balance that we have to learn to hold. And the balance is this. The Apostle Paul says it like this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Whenever he says, he's like, you got to remember this. You're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. See, this man that Jesus encounters is somebody who is in a cosmic battle with the evil forces and the dark forces of this world. And so Jesus has come to bring healing to this guy's life. Listen to what it says. So while Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. And with a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them into some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the, the, the spirits begged. Let us enter then. So Jesus gave them, say the word with me, permission. He has power over them. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. So the demon recognizes Jesus for who he really is. James, the brother of Jesus, would say, I think in James chapter 2, that, you know, that even the demons believe in God. They just shudder whenever they, they think of him. 
And so they recognize Jesus. This is who he is. They know that he's the son of God. And so they're like, oh my goodness, I, I don't know what to do. They're like, they're, they're just scared out of their mind because they knew that they were in the presence of someone who threatened their very existence. And so Jesus says, so what's your name? He's like, my name is Legion. And in other translations, it would say, for we are many. You know, it's just like this creepy, creepy thing to where it's speaking in first person. And then it's got all these things going on. And now a legion in, in Roman uh in Roman battle terms, was 6,000 Roman soldiers. Now, that leads some people to think that this guy had 6,000 demons. I don't know if he had 6,000 demons. Um, we just know that he had some. And really, can we just say if it's five, 125, or 2,000, that's a lot of demons in somebody? I, I actually think one's enough. But, but, you know, so he's got a lot of them there. And so they come there and they make this request because they're like, we know that ultimately we're going to be destroyed. They know their ultimate destiny. And they're like, don't just like, just don't destroy us right now. At least let us go into these, these pigs. Let us go off over here and, and let us do that. And so Jesus gives them permission. And those demons went hog wild. Oh, come on now. I mean, they, they could have been convicted for multiple hogicide. I mean, they really, really, really could. I mean, I guess at the, at the end of the day, it was just a bad case of deviled ham. And so, you're welcome. All right, you see? Yeah. But so they just end up, they, they enter this herd of pigs and they end up falling off and they just run off the side of the cliff. But here's what I think is, is interesting as you read through what's going on here. Because what, what Jesus does when he casts out these demons is something unprecedented. Because anytime you, you hear about somebody dealing with a demon, they always call on a higher power. So they'll say, by the most high God, you know, I command you to come out. You read through the book of Acts and you see, you know, the apostles or Paul and they're casting out demons. They'll say things like, you know, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come out. You notice Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't say in the name of the father, I ask you to come out. He doesn't say it by God, the most high come out. He doesn't do that. What does Jesus say to the demons? Come out. What does that mean? Don't miss this friends. It means this, he is the higher power. There is no other name that he has to claim. There is nothing else. It is his authority and his authority alone. He is power itself. He is power himself. Come out. That's it. That's all that he needs because that's who he is. A legion of demons are negotiating for permission from Jesus because they recognize this dude is the one with power. So the herdsmen, they fled to the nearby town and surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened and a crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed, perfectly sane, and they were, say it with me, they were all afraid. Now, don't miss this. This is late at night. This is like midnight. You know, this is a late at night kind of thing. And, and, and whenever people hear about this, even at midnight, they're like, yo, we got to get out there. We got to see what's going on. And they get there and they're just scared out of their mind. Why are they so scared? I mean, this should be a cause for celebration. This should be a cause for like, hey, let's throw a party. This should be a cause for like laughter and joy. And it's like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. The one who was broken is now whole. The one who was possessed is now clean. Oh my goodness, this is amazing. But they're scared out of their minds. And isn't it funny that at the end of, the cha- of chapter four, 
Last week's miracle, whenever Jesus calms the storm, what, what is the disciples' response? Terror. They're scared out of their mind. They're like, who in the world is this? That, you know, even the winds and the waves obey them. And what does the end of the story kind of get us to here? Is that these people are scared out of their minds. Why? They've met someone who is more powerful than, anything they, than anyone they've ever met. They have met someone who cannot be subdued. And just like even the storms and the waves obey the voice of this man, even the dark forces of the evil spirits obey this man's voice. And so they all go, oh, what is going on here? See, this guy had never been able to be controlled. I mean, ropes, chains, handcuffs, none of it worked. But now there is someone who is more powerful, and that is terrifying. So those who had seen what happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. So as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no. Go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things that Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. Here's the thing, friends. Demons stay where they're not wanted. Jesus doesn't. He's just like, you know what? Okay, if you guys don't want me here, that, that's fine. But it, it is kind of interesting. I mean, it's like, here's a guy that could be like an incredible disciple, you know, that this newly right-minded guy, he's like, man, let me come with you. Let me go do some stuff for you. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. I, I got something else for you to do. I want you to go home and I just want you to start telling your family and your friends exactly what I have done for you. And you just go tell them about the power that you have witnessed, the power that you have experienced, and you just go be a witness to your family and to your friends. He's like, that is your task. That is your call. You just go to your family, to go to your friends, and you tell them everything that the Lord has done for you. And I'm going to tell you guys this. This is a spoiler alert. The guy did it. This guy did it, and he was successful, man, because at the end of Mark chapter 7, if you fast forward to that, Jesus returns to this same area. And instead of them coming to him and going, dude, you got to go. You got to get out of here. Who are you? They, 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 instead, instead of rushing Jesus out, they rush to Jesus and they're like, yo, you got to heal us. You got to teach us. Can you do this for us? Can you teach? Can you preach? Can you do some things for us? Because, and they, they ask him to do all these kind of things. They're bringing his sick, they're, they're sick. They're bringing the broken. And it's in this exact area that Jesus ends up feeding 4,000 people with seven loaves and a few fish. How in the world does this, this tiny area, this area go from a place that's saying, y'all, you got to get, get on, get away from us to where Jesus is able to feed thousands in one city. One person received a task from Jesus. You go tell your family and friends what I've done for you. And he did it. And so whenever Jesus comes back, he's able to perform even more miracles. What an incredible witness for what God had done 
in his life. So that's, that's the story. So we've seen the story. Let's consider the significance of the story. And in this story, let's just look at it and say, let's look at the power of evil. And in this, let me give you two warnings. These are very similar to what C.S. Lewis said. Here's the first warning. Never overemphasize the power of Satan in your life. Never overemphasize the power of Satan in your life. Now, you have probably met people like this people who overemphasize the power of the devil in their life. I mean, they're the people that blame the devil for everything. You know, it's like, man, I was pulling into Kroger and I had a perfect spot and then the devil just took it away from me when somebody just pulled right in there. You know, or it's like, man, the devil, man, he was really after me today because my phone fell into the toilet, you know, because the, the devil knocked it out of my hands, you know. And it's like, you can't blame every problem you have on the devil uh, because that's just not how it, how it works, you know. You can't go, well, I'm broke because of the devil. It's like, no, I don't know about that. You know, you might be broke because you bought three outfits you didn't need, two pair of shoes you didn't need, you got too expensive of a car and too big of a house. Um, that might be why you're broke. It might not be the devil's fault. You know, so you can't blame every problem on the devil because contrary to what you may think, he did not make you eat all of that. Okay. And so it is not his fault. So don't overemphasize the power of Satan in your life. But here's the second warning. Never underemphasize the power of Satan in your life. Don't underemphasize it. Peter, who was there that night, saw the naked demoniac running and screaming at him, saw Jesus, you know, cast demons out in multiple uh, instances, cast demons out on his own. This is what he says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. He says, stay alert and watch out for your great enemy. Who is it? The devil. Because he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So stand firm against him. And be strong in your faith. Don't underemphasize the power of Satan. So in other words, while not every problem is caused by the devil, I would also argue that more problems than we realize are caused by the forces of darkness. You track it with me? There's a tension today, isn't there? We don't want to overemphasize, but we don't want to underemphasize and go, well, he has no power in our lives. It's like, no, he actually does. There's a lot of influence he has. And sometimes it looks like temptation to where he tempts you, you know, and he, he puts these thoughts into your mind. It's like, oh, you deserve it. So go ahead and watch it. Go ahead and touch it. Go ahead and smoke it. Go ahead and drink it. Go ahead and shoot it. Go ahead and take it. Go ahead. You won't get caught. It's not that big of a deal. Everybody else is doing it. And so he uses temptation to come against you. Sometimes it's distraction from God's will for your life. And he'll start to put thoughts in your head. It's like, you know what? Really all roads lead to God anyway. So you just, you don't just need just Christianity. You know, you could throw a little Buddhism in there, a little new age, a little Wicca. I mean, all those kind of things, just mix it all up together because really, I mean, the Bible's not true. Um, you don't need church. You can make your own path. Just kind of distracting you from God's will. He can inflict suffering. The, the devil's job is to steal, kill, and destroy. And so he can bring suffering into your life. It may influence things like depression, suicidal thoughts, and just desperation. There are evil forces at work in this world 
Our battle is not just against flesh and blood, but it's against the evil forces, the powers and the principalities of this world. Satan and his demons, they want to break what God wants together. So the caution is don't overemphasize his power, but don't you dare underestimate his power. But here's the good news. If you're a Christian, we don't fight with our power. We fight with Christ's power, okay? That's what we do. We don't fight with our power. We fight with Christ's power. Say it with me. We don't fight with our power. We fight with Christ's power. Say it with some gumption. We don't fight with our power. We fight with Christ's power. Personalize it. I don't fight with my power. I fight with Christ's power. That's what's going on here. And so we're going to fight in the power of Christ. And so how do we do that? How do we fight? This is it. This is a simple way to think about it. That means we're going to do what's natural and ask God for the supernatural. We're going to do what's natural and ask God for the supernatural. So if you're dealing with temptation, okay, what are we going to do? Let's do what's natural and let's identify the temptation and let's say, okay, what do I need? That means I need accountability. That means I need to put safeguards in my life. Maybe it means I need to put restrictions in my life and do these things and say, this is the natural thing. But at the same time, I'm going to pray on a daily basis. Lord, help me to not be given into temptation. You have promised me that no temptation seizes you except for that which is common to man, that God will provide a way out. And so God, I'm asking you, give me the way out. That's the natural, put the boundaries in place. The supernatural, God, deliver me from evil. And whenever you're battling a health issue, what do we do? Well, we're gonna do the natural thing. And what is that? You go to the doctor, you listen to what they say, and you get the treatments that you need to do. But at the same time, we couple it with the supernatural to where we say, God, I'm calling on you for divine healing. Would you please heal me from this and deliver me from this disease? You with me? You know, if you get to this place to where it's like you've got a child and they're rebelling and you don't know what to do, you do what is natural. And so you engage with your child. You get to know their friends. You you get to a place to where you're, you're in a group with other parents who are able to encourage and get you to, you know, just give you a support system. But then we come along and we pray the supernatural through them or for them them, that God would raise them up, that you would have no greater joy than to know your children are walking in the truth and that God would deliver them from whatever it is that they are facing. Are you with me? We do what is natural and then we throw in the supernatural and we say, okay, this is what we need. My friend, he's an alcoholic. He doesn't even know it. So God, help us to have the intervention that needs to be had. Help us, help him to find an AA group to be a part of. That's the natural thing. But then I'm going to pray for supernatural victory in this uh, fight that they are in, that they would be able to overcome their addiction. We do what is natural, ask God for the supernatural. Listen to me, do not assume that every problem you face is the result of demonic influence. And don't assume that any problem isn't. Do what's natural and ask God for the supernatural. Now, if you go back to the story, you look at the before and the after. Before the demoniac is restless, after he's sitting quietly. Before he's naked, afterward he's clothed. Before totally out of control, afterward he's in his right mind. That transformation is impossible 
without the power of God. Because God's purpose is to make men and women whole. Somebody once said that the glory of God is man fully alive. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life. If you're facing an impossible situation today, then perhaps what you need is to come to the power of God. And you may look at me and say, Turner, you don't know what I'm going through. And if you really knew me, you, you, would, you would never make that kind of statement. I, I am just, I have so many bad habits, so many uncontrollable desires. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure that there are other people that that could work for, but I'm beyond hope. And it's to somebody like that, it's just like, man, I wish I could like go back in time and bring the demoniac to right, right here. And let him stand up right in front of everybody. And, and he would listen to you argue with him and go, oh, I'm too far gone. I can't do this. And I think he would just look and say, uh, yeah, I beg to differ here for just a second. Because there's hope in one person. And that person, his name is Jesus. And Jesus may use a variety of ways to accomplish his purpose. But never forget that the ultimate answer to your problem is a person. It's Jesus. Because here's your bottom line. Our enemy is strong, no doubt. But Jesus is stronger. Our enemy is strong. We, we, we fight a roaring lion, prowling around. But Jesus is stronger. So the challenge this week is, if you find yourself in the midst of this, is, hey, let's identify the battle here. What's going on? What, what kind of fight are we fighting? And then let's identify the natural things that we need to do. What are the steps that we need to take? And then you start praying and you start enlisting other people to pray for the supernatural in your life as well. Because this story is a story of deliverance. It's about the the power of Jesus to drive out evil, showing that, that Satan can possess a mind, possess a town. But in the end, Jesus is able to drive Satan out and to destroy the work of the devil, that Jesus can take the worst that the devil can do, and he can still bring healing in our lives. John, who would also have been there that evening, he would later, later write that the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. That's what he came to do, to destroy those works. And that's what Jesus is doing here in the life of the demoniac. He is destroying the work of the devil in this one man's life because Jesus came to fix what is broken because the power of Jesus is greater than the power of darkness. See, so many people think that darkness is the opposite of light. Darkness isn't the opposite of light. What is darkness? It's the absence of light. Those are two different things. And so whenever Jesus rose from the dead, what he did is he defeated the darkness. John says that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it because greater is the one who is in you than the one who is in the world. And so the good news today, church, is this, is that we are not fighting for victory. We are fighting from victory today because he has won. He has defeated. And where does that victory come from? Well, you got to go all the way to the end of the story of Mark. And at the climax of Mark's story about Jesus, where does Jesus end up? Naked, isolated, outside of the town, being torn apart by Roman soldiers. Jesus came to let the enemy do his worst and to take the full force of evil so that we could go free.
his sinful life given for our sinful lives to give us hope, to give us life. And it was through the power of that indestructible life that he was able to bring hope. And that same power is still available today. And so if you've never, if you've never experienced the kind of deliverance that Jesus can deliver, then we want to tell you today's a great day to do that. If you're watching online, visit the website on the screen. If you're, if you're in the room, grab one of those connection cards and say that you're ready to experience what Jesus has for you. And let's go. Let's go. And let's see. And let's experience his power. So Jesus, we thank you that it is through the power of your indestructible life that we find hope and power today. And we pray that as we leave today that we would understand our battle is not against flesh and blood. That's not the fight that we are fighting. But we are fighting against the evil spirits, the dark dark powers in this world. And so help us to leave here today encouraged knowing that you have already won the fight. And we pray that in your wonderful and powerful name. Amen and amen.